Well, we want to welcome everyone to our Wednesday night service. We just got back from we just got back from Des Moines today. I think our plane landed at twelve thirty, and so we were able to be there for a while. I'll tell you more about it later on. Right now, let's just bow our heads in prayer and ask God for a blessing on this service tonight. Father, we give you thanks once again for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us back safe, and we thank you for helping us over the past few days, O oh God, dealing with the, the various situations we had to deal with. Bless our service tonight. Be with us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. can feel air in this place Thank you, Lord Thank you for your mercy Thank you for your I can feel it in this place where your people come together and praise. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Thank you for your Jesus, praise your name. 
Wednesday night and we are certainly glad to be back home and that is when I'm not in my own little environment I'm fish out of water there was a time I used to like to travel not anymore I really do not like to travel I really do not like to fly I really like to be home then you come back home on a Wednesday night on a Wednesday night, can we make sure we don't have ushers in this church? I don't think we do. Um, I'll ask Brother Sam to try to work on that with him and Brother John, see if we can have ushers on a Wednesday night so I can, you know, come and I don't have to put the microphone here and get things organized. Ushers can do that. Um, I was talking to Nadine today and I said there was a time when I make a trip Overseas, I remember the first time I was going to Africa, we had like 20 people at the airport to see me off. Now I'm not even going to be sure if 20 people will attend my funeral. So times have changed and people have changed except me. I have not changed. I've become more persistent and consistent in what I believe in more than ever. However, we're glad to be back. Um, sometimes we put the mask on, sometimes we take it off, depends on who uh, is with us and where we are. In Des Moines, uh, the, we were glad that we went to Des Moines. And like I might just reinform you that we got in on Friday and Brother Walt Johnson's uh, funeral was on Saturday. And um, he had a military salute at the cemetery, which was really nice. You know, they, the, um, the Navy sent up some, Air Force, sorry. The Air Force sent up some people and they had maybe six, six, four and three, seven um, in the uniform rails up there. And they did a um, three gun salute uh, to him at this, at, for him at the cemetery. And that was really good you know, to see the military involved. Of course, it was not a big funeral because the graveside was to be more of a private uh, situation. That is something that I think they are doing in the States and I sort of like it. Uh, they have a funeral service and when the service is over, um, everyone goes to the reception and they do the graveside some other day the following day private for the family just private I like that um, I still can't comprehend some of the things about funerals and stuff like that why we display the body uh, why everyone has to come 
you know, and look at the body and, you know. Um, and so the more I go to a funeral is the more I feel when I'm gone, close the casket. If there is one. And it's not going to be an expensive one. It's going to be a nice looking casket. I already see, selected my casket. Can you believe that? Uh, but close the casket and um, have a nice time. I'm not even sure what we'll do. Um, if I die before you, Chandri, then you decide, make some of the decisions. And if you die before me, then I'll make some of the decisions. I'll fulfill your desires too. However, we had a good, a good turnout for a fair, reasonable turnout for Brother uh, Johnson at his um, uh, funeral. And then we were able to extend our flights, extend our flights uh, to stay on for Sister Pam Goodwin's uh, funeral. Um, there are a few people in this world that I sit back and admire. And Sister Pam Goodwin, as a minister's wife, is somebody that I sit back and admire. When I say admire, I admire her modesty, her comeliness, the way she carries herself, and uh, the way she, I don't know about the details of their personal life, but I admire the public manifestation of godliness and sobriety and femininity that she um, shows to the world. Support for her husband. I know we need to pray. I pray more for Brother Glenn right now than I pray for Sister Pam when she was sick because I know I had a feeling she was going to die. We pray for healing. But um, I have more of a feeling for him because he scarcely goes anywhere without her. And she is like his right-hand man. And so he will really suffer the loss. And so I want to say that. I want to say that Sister Pam had a good example that she set. And um, beyond that, I would like to say Brother Glenn. Uh, you know, he was a young man when I was in Des Moines. I mean, I started in the ministry many, many years. That's not the point. Brother Glenn has all reason to be exalted, to be, um, you know, he's pastoring a big church that a lot of people look up to him. Uh, he should really have the reason, good reason to go buy designer's clothes and buy this expensive car and all these kinds of stuff. Not Brother Glenn. Brother Glenn is a man that I admire his simplicity. See, when God processes us, some of us are coming a far way and God is making something out of us. And um, some people that come from poverty has learned nothing when it comes to character development and spiritual growth and maturity. See, our life should teach us various lessons as we go on in life. And so that is important. But Glenn, he used a scripture that was in my mind while they were talking about Sister Pam. And the scripture he used was in uh, Proverbs 31. I am not going to get into that immediately. But I'm thinking that while he used the scripture <clears throat> to describe his wife, uh, Sister Pam, I'm looking at this scripture and I feel it describes the, the sense of responsibility that an individual has to develop when they want to be in the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. 
You see, they have to develop this sense, this, this dedication and commitment. And tonight, I'm thinking, there's a few things running through my mind. And the first one, I just, just marked this scripture off in 1 Samuel. And we'll come back to Proverbs 31, maybe. But in, in 1 Samuel, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, and you all know the story of Hannah. Uh, she was one of the remarkable women in the Bible. Uh, today, the day we're living in, women lose their femininity. Women are fighting to be more like men. Men are <laughs> collapsing into becoming more like women. And so uh, the world is changing. Definitions of, and terms have changed. And what's normal today would be abnormal 30 years ago. And 40 or 50 years ago, it will be immoral and abnormal. But today, your kid has to decide what it wants to be, he or she. When you send your kid to school, your little kid to the public school, I wish to God we had a private school, but when you send your kid to the public school, uh, the teachers would have to identify your kid. What you want to be called, he or she. What an age. I never knew I would live to that period of time in my life where they would have a bathroom for men and women can go in at the same time. I tell you what, while technology has advanced, and science has advanced, and uh, uh, you know we, we're looking at at so many different technological advancement. Morality has collapsed and has gone to the dogs. Morality is completely gone. This world is a crazy world that we're living in. That's my definition. They said, "Well, you can't say that." Well, if everyone has the right to say what they want to say, how about me having the right to say that I think the world has gone crazy? Amen. It's crazy. It's a crazy world. Um, uh, you, you know, you can't, you, you, if you're normal, you're abnormal. What's crazy world we're living in? But the church should maintain its standards of godliness. The church should maintain its standards of holiness and the bride will not compromise its position her position as she strives or endeavor to be ruling and reigning with Christ and Paul in first Samuel Hannah had prayed and you know the story of Hannah how she prayed for a child and and how the Lord when she went into the temple um, Eli thought she was drunk and he came out and he accused her. You see, somebody says, well, the priest ought to know better. No, he didn't. Priest is, priest, I'm a human being. I'm not an immortal being. I make blunders just like everybody else. And um, uh, I make mistakes. I make errors. Um, I try to be better than I used to be. But I'm human. To err is human. And when Eli came out and he saw this woman 
And she was like staggering and praying. She was really crying and weeping and, and praying that God would give her a child because her rival, Penina, uh, had given her a hard time. Now, <clears throat> long story short, Hannah needed Penina in her life. Her husband had two wives to begin with. What was he doing with two wives? But then he had two wives. One was Hannah and one was Penina. Uh, Penina got a lot of kids. Hannah was barren. She couldn't get children. And so Hannah, uh, when she, in spite of all the gifts her husband will give her, she wanted her own child. And so she went into the temple and prayed and says, God, uh, would you please give me a child? And while she was crying and weeping, and that's what I call, I was talking to uh, somebody in the, at the funeral, Brother Moore. I was talking to Brother Moore. I was talking to a few people and I said, you know, a lot of times we can say prayers and not pray prayers. When you really start to pray prayers, it prays from inside. You sit down in the corner or you kneel down. I never kneel down and pray. Uh, I stopped doing that years ago. I sit in the little corner in the room and in the dark, I wait until this, this, the soul of mine starts to communicate with God. When I'm staying in a hotel, I can scarcely communicate with the Lord. But I'm sitting in my own little corner and I start to feel something come over me, a weeping and an agony. And that comes over me. And I feel a lot of time is my spirit that prays rather than me praying. And you pray with that agony and you pray. And that's what Hannah was doing. She was praying from the innermost parts of her being. And if you don't know what that is, then you haven't prayed. And the less prayer we have is the less power we have and the less we'll have God working in our midst. And <clears throat> the reason why we have to be so careful, uh, lest uh, we get infected and affected and we get sick and we can't get healed and more people die. Think about it. In the past two years, past two years, my sister died. Brother, brother, um, brother that died in Des Moines. What's his brother? Harquist. Brother Harquist died. My sister died. Brother Harquist died. Uh, Sister Johnson died, Brother Johnson died, Rindy died, and now Sister Pam died. And you know, people are just dying, and those are the ones I know, just in Des Moines. The people are dying all over the world that we don't even know. I think about it this coming weekend. Saturday might be Brother Armelis's funeral. And do you know that Brother Eugene has the same problem in his body. And I already told Brother Eugene, I said, we don't have the power of God, brother. We're praying, but we really do not have the power of God. We can make it sound like we have the power. We can whip up things that looks like we have the power, but we really need God to give us his power that can perform some healings and miracles. And so that is exactly the, the way Hannah was praying and God would answer her prayer. The priest did not recognize it because he's not, you know, he does not know everything. And when he came and accused her, 
And she said, uh, she said here, so beautifully in chapter 1, verse 15, she said, um, <clears throat> and Hannah answered and said, verse 14, Eli, Eli thought she was drunk, and he said in verse 14, How long will you be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, <clears throat> No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Now, I like the spirit of Hannah. She was not feisty. And this is something that you and I have to understand, that if the Lord is to produce the bride, it's not hocus-pocus is that the church must maintain some principles that there is masculinity identified, there is femininity identified, uh, children ought to grow up like children, understanding uh, childhood, and parent ought to understand what the responsibilities of parenthood is. Uh, we cannot allow the home to collapse. But every day the devil bombards the home and your kids are not listening to the word of God that I preach. They're more interested in what the video and Hollywood offers. Now don't tell me we'll produce overcomers when the word of God is not, is not listened to and is not followed and pursued. I'm picking on the kids, right? Well, the adults also. Unless we start to access the word of God that is available, that this church has made available, and you wonder there is not going to be spiritual growth and development. And so Hannah is praying, and, and uh, the priest finally comes. She said unto him, verse 15, Not so, my no, my Lord, my Lord, she called the man that just told her she was drunk when she was not. She said, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Now, that's the way you ought to pray. See, I was telling Brother Moore that um, when, when the COVID-19 started, when a virus hits the earth, you know, it's, it is sad. The children of God in the church, they start to follow conspiracy theory. Well, Bill Gates organize it. You start to find every, listen, I don't care who organized it, God is always in control. The devil can do nothing except God allows it. If God doesn't want it, it will not happen. And so the Lord did say, when I send the pestilence, and I send a famine, and I stop the rain. Now, you might have a geological reason why some of these things happen or a scientific reason why they happen but god is responsible you might have all the scientific reason why the sun is not, the earth is not colliding into the sun but god has set it so and the geological or geographical or scientific re reason is only because god has set it so you understand what I'm saying? Uh, because God is in control. And so, when things do happen, and I like this because Hannah, she is of a sorrowful spirit. And when the Lord says, if I send the pestilence and I send destruction, if my people, <clears throat> which are called by my name, 
shall do what? You see, that's a hard thing for people to do. And that is why I can stand up and give you a long prayer. Dear Almighty God and Heavenly Father, maker of heaven and earth, immutable God, omnipotent, omniscient. You know, I can give you a long talk in that when I'm praying, I'm actually talking to you and preaching to God. That's not prayer. This is prayer. Sorrowful spirit. If you're not doing that, you are not praying. And if you're not praying, your life would be bombarded with problems that you cannot conquer. You would live in fear and trepidation. And that is not a good thing to be in. Um, if you, when you have fear, one of these days you come in, one of these chairs, these benches are old and they'll collapse. I wouldn't want to sit. You know, I don't want to be like that. We're going out on the road. Some accident might happen today and kill us. Are you going to live like that all your life? Don't worry about that which is not happening at the time. Somebody, the scripture does say the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But also the coward stays inside and wouldn't God because he thinks there's a lion in the street. See, prudence and cowardice is two different things. I'm talking prudence is important to have, but cowardice that you have no faith whatsoever. You're afraid this is going to happen. You're afraid. Listen, when you come to the bridge, cross it. That's a statement I say all the time, right, Jan? I say, when I get to that bridge, I'll cross it. Until that time, I wouldn't cross it. What does Shakespeare say? This is not scripture now. Shakespeare say, a coward dies many times before his death. A valiant man dies once. So don't die many times before your death. But if you start learning to seek after God, don't pray to clear your conscience. Seek after God and have a sorrowful spirit. And that's what uh, Solomon, that's what the scripture says in Chronicles. Uh, if my people shall call by my name, shall do one, humble themselves. I'm going to talk a little bit about that here tonight, if God helps us. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'll talk, tell you some good stuff. Uh, humble yourself. Now, there is a difference. Listen to me carefully. There is a difference between sackcloth and ashes and rags. See, sackcloth and ashes, if a man puts on sackcloth and ashes because he's seeking after God, and a beggar comes in with his rags, they look alike. But the rags is an indication that that's a loser, is a beggar. He's a loser. He can't make life. Sackcloth and ashes is something that someone has put on on himself in order to seek God. We have to put on humility. Put on tenderness. Put on kindness. These are things that you've got to put on. You can't put it on living in an island some corner of the world. And that is why when you move away far from the church, you're spiritually blind to the reality of what the church ought to be. The church ought to be a community. The church ought to be a community. 
where I go to the grocery store and I bump into somebody. What are you doing today? As usual, you know, today is my grocery day. But when I don't even know where you are and what you're doing, you will slowly backslide. See, drifting, and that's what I, you know, I was not sure what the title decide what to talk about, and so many things came into my mind. My one was drifting. You ever stand by the seaside and look at a, boat, a piece of driftwood? They call it driftwood. You stand on the shore and see that big log floating, and you keep talking, and then you know, hey, it's over there. You don't, it's not a speedboat. It's a driftwood. And that is what happens to an individual, and that will happen to a church, that will happen to a family when they slowly depart from the vicinity of God's work and the vicinity of the church. They want to be by themselves. They will backslide. Quiet here tonight. They will backslide. The, the, the concept of moving away is a concept that the devil has placed in your mind, not God. You got it? All right. So when we think about it, <clears throat> Hannah, she prayed before God. And you see, when I say drifting, that's a subject by itself. Because I want to show you sometime in the future how Israel drifted all the time. By the time they came back to serving God... They start to drift again. And they kept the concept of the golden calf. They kept the concept of the brazen serpent. The brazen serpent, you see, God used this thing one time. So they hold, no, God moves on. God might use something today and he doesn't use it tomorrow. Don't hang on to it. Move on. Israel would like to hang on to something and so does the church. We like to hang on. Well, you know, so-and-so did it this way. Listen, you've got to find out what God wants you to do today. And so Hannah prayed, sorrowful in spirit. And God said to Israel, humble yourself and pray. If you're humbling yourself to pray, you're not in a rush. Prayer in a rush is like a microwave oven that you try to speed it up to get the thing done fast. I did that today. I had a frozen piece of something, and I tried to, instead of defrosting it, I tried to speed it up. And it loses deliciousness if you try to heat it without defrosting it. There's a way to do everything. And, and so, when you think about it, there's no speeding up to develop maturity. You cannot speed up maturity. Maturity takes time. So when you're in the busy world out there, you're busy, 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 and you hit the church door, slow down. I say that over and over again. Nobody listen to me. I try to tell this church over and over again, help to clean the church. And when church is done, I watch all of them mosey on out. And I said, God, if I die, they'll backslide so fast, uh, you won't even realize you see, Paul knew his people before he died. And I'm getting to know, and I was telling Nadine, 
that today, I said there was a time, uh, the brothers would call and says, what time is your dad coming home? You remember those days? Okay, those days are gone. Don't even plan on it. But um, I'm self-sufficient in myself. I don't get discouraged. As a matter of fact, sometimes I feel my life is in jeopardy when somebody picks me up. <laughs> Please don't pick me up. I'm going to take a taxi because my life, I got to hold my heart in my hand while a dangerous driver is taking me down on the road. Anyways, that's by the way, back to the subject. And so the Lord said, if Israel humbles itself, who was he talking to? Them sinners down all over the place? No, he was talking to his people. If this church here in Mississauga or the body of Christ today, Gospel Assembly Church, Get away from the music. Get away from the big flamboyant gathering together and everybody's making noise. Think about your own private life and humble yourself. Each individual, humble yourself and pray. Not say prayers, pray prayers. And seek my face just like you seek to become rich. And do what? Change your life. Sit down and make a chart of all the things you do wrong and eliminate them one at a time. Simple. I'll give you a simple way. Take a, go to Galatians 5 and make a list of all the fruit of the works of the flesh and then the fruit of the spirit. Two lists. Work of the flesh, fruit of the spirit. And then go through the works of the or you can start with the fruit of the Spirit. See what you got, really. But if you go through the works of the flesh, circle everyone you've got working in you, and then you go to the fruit of the Spirit and circle everyone that is not in you and that you need to pursue. And turn from all the wicked ways. Isn't that what the Lord told Israel? He says, the Lord says, if you do that, then I will hear from heaven. Lord, why aren't you hearing? Well, simply because you have not turned. And over, I've got Samuel, but over in Isaiah chapter 57, this was the problem uh, Israel had. And um, <clears throat> I'm supposed to be tired tonight, right? So you just bear up with me here because I feel like I, when I sit behind the pulpit or sit preaching the word of God, I get energy. I, I, I don't feel tired and I got to stay home. No, no, I feel tired, so I need to go to church. Prove a point. And in the 58th chapter of Isaiah, did I say 57? Okay, that's a dealing with death. Uh, 58, cry aloud. The Lord says, they're not listening. So you go out there and shout. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Can you imagine? The Lord is telling Isaiah, these deaf people, spiritually deaf people of God, are not listening. So go out there and shout. I was telling someone of a situation I had one time, and that is my problem. 
You see, I'm me and I can't, I don't want, I can't change from being me. And the one time I was in a meeting <clears throat> and a brother was preaching and he's really preaching away, shouting on. And while he's shouting, the people are shouting. You know about Hashem? I'm sitting there. The preacher is preaching. I'm finished preaching for the weekend. But the preacher is preaching and looks like he's doing a good job preaching. But he's shouting and they're shouting. I can't hear a thing. So what did I do? I get up in the people's church. Were you there, Sister Carol? Got up and I said, hold on a minute, brother. And I tell the people, can you all stop for a moment? If you're shouting while he's shouting, I can't hear. Can you all stop shouting while he's shouting? And then I said, but don't. I don't know why I did such a dumb thing, but that was, that's me. Why are we carrying on? Are we there to shout or to be edified? And so it's, the thing is, God, God told Isaiah, he said, go shout. So, I know, maybe the Lord told our brother tonight, shout. But isn't something if Isaiah is shouting and the people shouting back? Isaiah says, uh, he, he's going to shout uh, and tell the people and then they're shouting back to him. No, they're not shouting back, they're just listening. These people are so dense. Israel was so dense. It reminds me of us. When we hear messages that should change our lives, a lot of times, we, the people of God today, are dense. We like to dance, we like to shout, we like to scream, we like to have a big fun, and we specialize, specialize in the place being nice and the food being nice. Of course I like a nice place. I could not have enjoyed being in Des Moines like I did this weekend. The place is immaculately beautiful. I tell you what. You got to take your hat out to those saints in that church. The church is immaculately beautiful. Of course, I don't like daylight lighting. I like warm lighting, but they like that. So that's fine. That's their church. The place was immaculately beautiful. And I think they did a good job. Each chair was, was beautiful. Each, each, each turn, every corner you made was beautiful. And that is how the God's house ought to be. But getting back to the point, Isaiah, the Lord says, cry aloud like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions. They're not listening. And the house of Jacob, their sins. Well, they had transgressions and they had sins, but guess what they did? They fasted and prayed. You see, we believe, I believe in fasting and praying. But I believe, first of all, fasting and praying to cleanse you of your sins. If you got sins and you're disobedient to God, he will chastise you. He'll beat the life out of you if you're his child. Got to change. Everybody say change. change. Try it again. Change. Yes. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways. You understand what I'm saying? Turn from your wicked ways. And the Lord says, as I said, you seek me daily. What they did? They sought God daily. Do you pray daily? Here was the people that were saying prayers daily. 
Their lives were not right. They were doing contrary things and they covered it up. They covered up the hypocrisy by their religious activity. That's right. A lot of people cover up their hypocrisy by their religious activity. If I can get in and sing the songs and move with the music and, and shout in the church, I feel that's okay. No, living right is what is okay. And the Lord said, Isaiah said, Yet they seek me daily and they delight to know my ways, God says. They love to... Oh, that word of God was so good. Are you going to obey it? I told a brother that three weeks ago. He says, Brother Singh, your message is so important that you need to come to this meeting. You need to come to the meeting because all our brothers are looking far to you because your messages are so important. And long ago, I'd be nice. I'd said, okay, yes, brother, I'll do my best. But last three weeks ago, I said, you think my messages are great? He said, yes. I said, when last did you listen to one? You're talking like that to a minister? Yeah. I said, well, last did you listen to one of my messages? Uh, um, 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 I didn't wait for an answer because there was none. I said, now you're planning a meeting. Did you plan the meeting? Did you pray for this meeting? He said, yes, I did. I said, after you plan it or before you plan it? No answer again. Because that's what we do. We make plans and hope God fits in. And hope every preacher fits in. And some people don't care as long as there's a plan, they fit in. <clears throat> well, this preacher here is going to use that as an excuse not to fit in. I really wish the Lord will talk to me like I ought to believe, but he doesn't. I told a brother in a meeting, he says, you know, I talk to the Lord, but he does not hear me. You know, I said, do you pray about what you're doing in the, in the funeral service, before the funeral service uh, the viewing night, I said, you pray? He says, no, man, I need more answers. I said, well, when you really want to do something, what you need to do, <clears throat> you say, Lord, I want to do this thing that I'm not sure you want me to do. <laughs> if you don't want me to do, say no. And if you don't hear, do it. And he looked at me and he knew I was sarcastic. You know, I said, that's the way to go, man. And then you can do everything and feel like the Lord did not stop you. But he will stop you. He has a way of stalling the most stubborn of us. And guess what? We are all stubborn in certain ways. And he catches us. He wins. In the long run, he wins. And so, it says... We fasted, we seek thee daily, we delight to know thy ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They didn't say that we didn't forsake. Well, why is Isaiah telling them about their transgression? They were transgressing, even though they were doing the formalities of what the religion demanded. They pay their tithes, they attend the service, they shout and scream, they did whatever was the practice of the organization. And that is what I think a lot of times we do as a fellowship. We practice the religion, but we don't live the life. Because God said, 
if they do this and turn from their wicked ways, he says, I will hear from heaven. Well, he's not hearing because you're not turning. Simple. If we turn, he will hear. If we don't turn, he will not respond. See, God chooses to close his ear to the prayers of hypocrites. Unless the prayer is saying, Lord, forgive me of my hypocrisy. All right? And he says, they said in verse 3, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest? They fasted and they prayed. And they afflict their soul, but God did not pay attention. Because in the day of you fast, you find pleasure. See, you go to church, but you spend more time enjoying the pleasures that the world offers. When the Lord says, love not the world. And you think God does not see because, you know, he's invisible. So you think he's not there, but he's there, he sees. And so, <clears throat> when we understand these things, Hannah is praying here with a broken spirit. And when she did, um, she says, verse 16, chapter 1 of Samuel, 1 Samuel, she said, Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of the, de of the devil, Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. So, and Eli looked at her. And he said, what a wonderful woman. It's not written there. But he said, what a wonderful woman. And you know what he did? He says, go in peace. And God of Israel grant thee thy petition that I was asked him. He did not even find out what the petition was. What a way God worked. See, God is a God that is ready to work for his people, but we are not ready to live for him. Simple. That is why when we went to this funeral, I hope he didn't come back with COVID. That's right. No mask. I didn't wear a mask in the funeral. I, did, I, I had to, you know, help out and do things. And her last woman sent flowers and stuff like that, you know. She had a beautiful funeral arrangement of flowers, you know, and all of that. I didn't wear a mask. I can't we wear a mask. I tell her when you have to. But then she didn't wear it in the meeting. But she weird traveling and stuff like that. And I came back and I feel my back is hurting me. And I stick that tester in my brains and check see if I got COVID. And it says negative. Time negative. But Emmanuel, you can hug me if you want. And Hannah was granted her petition. She went home, got a child, and she came back and she dedicated that child unto the Lord. Who are you dedicating your children unto? See, we have failed. This Gentile church, we, whatever we call it, body of Christ or whatever, we have failed to fulfill the commandments of God because we raise our children out of the church more than in the church. And I guess this society demands that. But as a young man... When I come home from crusade while I was studying for GCE, I come home at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. My brother would wait up for me. He says, and if you 
fail this exam because you're out doing crusade, I'll break your face. That's what you tell me. You can't break my face, but, you know, big brother. You got to respect big brother. I passed the exam before he did. See, God honors sacrifice and dedication. He really does. Because I've made a promise to God, Lord, if you help me through with this exam, I'll work for two years, help my parents, and then go full-time into the ministry. They did not even think I'd go into ministry because I never even liked to testify. But I went, and here I am today. It hasn't failed me. God is good. And Hannah made a statement here, and I'd like to bring this part to our attention. She said here in chapter Eight, uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, <clears throat> she talked about God. This woman prophesied. Now, this is what I call a woman. And so, you know, uh, Proverbs 31 is going to wait for the weekend because we'll get back on that. But um, in, in chapter 2, and she prophesied. This woman started to let the Lord touch her mouth and enlarge her heart. And she started to speak words that are placed in Scripture. And that is why when I'm thinking about the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ is not made up, well, you know, men become effeminate and women become masculine. No. We got to follow the order of nature and follow the principles of God. And the principles of God says that everyone that serves him, a man is going to continue to be a man and a woman is going to continue to be a woman, and a man must develop masculinity. A man must be a gentleman. We'll talk about this on the weekend. A man must learn to develop characteristics that make you honorable in society. You're a man. You're not a girl. You're a man. You don't carry yourself like a lady. And a lady can carry herself like a man. You know, I'm one pastor that's not against people wearing a pants. You hear me? This is going private group, right? Yes. And we can go public group. I'm not against a woman wearing a pants. I'm against anybody being immodest. You can wear a dress and you look like a sausage, you're immodest. You can wear pants like Mrs. Miriam Dupre wore when she came on in. And I admire her because she looked like a lady in a woman's attire with modesty. You know the angel I saw, remember? That lady that was like an angel? She had a pantsuit on. She had a top on that covered a certain portion of her body, and she had a pantsuit on. I believe that's an angel. But she, she was walking, whining, and scarcely able to move. I think it's the devil, not an angel. And so when we're thinking about the church moving on in its advance, we have to think about characteristics being developed. And we'll take this on on the weekend. A woman must learn to cook. A woman must learn to keep house. A woman must learn to raise children. A man must be able to get up and be a man strong enough to go cut the grass, 
to take care of things around. Uh, don't find a reason not to. Find a reason to. Because Hannah closes off like this, and she says, verse 8, God raises up the poor out of the dust. This is God's job. He's not taking the rich and make them bright of Christ. No, he's taking the poor out of the dust and lifted up the beggar from the dunghill. And so that beggar that comes from the dunghill, he should empty his pocket of all the dung and empty his spirit of all the dung because sometimes what you look out here and think is elite and is the classical thing and the way to go, the way of the world is dung. The way of the world and the fashions of the world is dung. Sackcloth and ashes is a whole lot different than beggarly clothes. And you can be dressed in the most popular designer's clothes and it's dung in the sight of God. Because what God hates, you should hate. And that is sad when you see an individual has not learned the lessons of life and force opportunity to get, they want to be big fish. You know, I'm in this church here and I'm about to close. <laughs> I can't run late because I have an appointment. Um, I'm here in this church for many years. Do I want to be big fish? Do you all ever think I want to be big fish? Never, ever. I can't figure out why a person would want to be big fish. And so I need to talk more about this kind of stuff because etiquette, manners, your vocabulary, the way you carry yourself, walk. If you plan to be a ruler and reign, and a, a person to rule and reign with Christ, someone, a prince, then learn to carry yourself like one. Don't eat like a pig. Be frugal. Don't waste. Be kind. We think crisis. Jesus has come back and put a whole bunch of hoodlums on the on throne. Calvin Klein is going to sit on one throne and somebody else on the other throne. You think that's what Jesus? No. He was a simple Jesus. And unless you have that, you ain't got the spirit of Christ, even though you're speaking in tongues. Brother Singh said so, and you can go get a rock and stone me. But I believe, honestly, when Christ takes a hold of your life, you change. Turn from your wicked ways and serve God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that you can take beggars from the dunghill and lift the poor out of the dust and make princes out of them. Work on our lives, Father. Change our lives, please, we ask. Lord, we realize it's not human effort. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask that you let these words challenge our lives tonight. Amen and amen.